There's a traditional Irish blessing that begins, May the road rise up to meet you. It's meant to convey well wishes for a smooth journey, both literally and figuratively. But yet, there's something to be said for choosing to go off the beaten path, for intentionally taking the road less traveled. It's summer, and we're with Notre Dame students on a hike in the Connemara region of Western Ireland. We're hiking the Maumain Pass in the Turk Mountains. Our guide, renowned archaeologist and historian Michael Gibbons, decides to take us on an alternative route. We step off the trail and onto soggy, waterlogged turf around us. The ground is blanketed by bogs. Our feet sink just a little with each step. And then we cross over the most picturesque mountain brook. Our guide is downloading veritable volumes of information about how the ancients engaged with this land. We think this could be Bronze Age enclosure, but that's a, that's a hunch, it's not scientific. We pass by a suspected graveyard, so chosen because of its believed proximity to a sacred place. Guys, can you see the graves? Yeah. Okay, I want you to point me out a grave each. Different graves. Now, I don't want you to pull a fast one. Point out the same grave. And then we arrive at our destination. There is a small chapel, a well believed to be blessed by St. Patrick, a statue of him, and monuments marking the Stations of the Cross. This is a pilgrimage site, believed to be where St. Patrick stopped to give his blessing over the Connemara region in the 5th century. More than a millennia later, Catholics would make the trek here to celebrate Mass in secret to avoid prosecution under British penal laws. Junior Elena Herberg was one of the students along the hike. When you asked me earlier, like, what's your impression of it? I, I had to think because I realized I was like, actually just actively enjoying it and like living in this like consciousness of enjoying it which I don't feel like happens super often for me so it was awesome to know that I was like wow this is maybe what living in the moment looks like and so yeah and then we got up to the shrine and that was a very beautiful thing just to see St. Patrick's well and shrine and just how incorporated um, that is an Irish culture just how the Catholic culture has shaped the country and I don't know, it's really cool to think of all the people throughout the time that have hiked that hike. It's said the students here learn through the soles of their feet. And while the road still rises up to meet them, the journey is often not what they expected. This is a look at that journey. A glimpse into what Notre Dame is doing across this country. I'm Andy Fuller, and this is East and West, Notre Dame in Ireland.
World War I is remembered rightly for its staggering loss of life. No previous conflict yielded more casualties. But there was another unprecedented impact. The Great War displaced more than 7.5 million people. Their journey was not one of choice, but of barest necessity. The road didn't rise up to meet them as much as it was forced upon them. Every corner of society was impacted, including, as it so happens, a certain religious community of Benedictines in Ypres, Belgium. This is Mother Mara Hickey, the head of the community today. Well, they ran a school for um, originally for the daughters of Irish immigrants, but as time went on, it became part of the education scene in Ypres, and there were Belgian girls, as time went on, even more so. And uh, some Belgian or other European, French or German women joined the community, so it wasn't entirely Irish, but um, predominantly. And it was a centre of the kind of Irish diaspora in Belgium at the time. And, um, yeah, when the war started in 1914, uh, they were, was on the line of um, attack the German army marching down into France and um, the, the monastery was badly damaged. The nuns had to pack up all they could and leave. And came to first to England and then uh, decided when it was clear that they wouldn't be going back to Belgium. They um, decided to go back to their our place of origin. That place of origin was Ireland and eventually a place called Kylemore, a sprawling 13,000-acre estate in a mountainous region in the western part of the country. It was built in the 1860s. The centerpiece is a castle-like manor house overlooking a lake with 33 bedrooms, four bathrooms, four sitting rooms, a billiard room. You get the picture. Now, based on that description, it may not be readily apparent, but Kylemore is an ideal location for a Benedictine community. The Benedictine is one of the oldest monastic religious traditions. It dates back to the 6th century. It's an enclosed monastic order, yes, but it balances its commitment to worship and liturgy with an openness to encounters with the outside world. Benedict had a kind of motto, ora et labora, pray and work. Some of the very early monks thought that the teaching of Jesus to pray without ceasing meant that you didn't need to work, that you could sit somewhere all day just meditating and praying, um, eating very little, living very, very simply. But Benedict says, no, no, we're human beings and live at normal people, normal society. But a balance between work and the, all that belongs to the life of prayer is um, vital. And um, that works itself out very differently from one community to another, how that balance looks. But uh, looking for a balance between giving our best to all those things that need to be done, but at the same time, Letting prayer and uh, liturgy be at the centre of it, that remains. And hospitality is another 
essential element anywhere Benedictine life. Uh, you live this life not for yourself or to create something just for the people belonging to it, but it's it's absolutely essential that it's open and being shared, and that that's an essential of the personal human spiritual journey. Each of us has a stranger in us whom we have to encounter, accept, integrate, and that is where God is in us. And um, that's the ins the inside of Benedictine hospitality. The outside is just that you have a guest house where people will be comfortable and looked after and um, can come and uh, join the life of the community. The Benedictine hospitality is very evident at Kyle Moore today. The Abbey is the most popular tourist attraction in Western Ireland, with charter buses arriving in droves throughout the day making their way along the winding roads through mountain valleys. There is a bustling visitor center and a self-guided tour of the manor house with interactive exhibits detailing the history of the place. It is admirable to think of you standing up to all those men in Parliament representing the people of Galway. And of course, visitors come face to face with the Benedictine way of life, seeing their work in the form of chocolate and soap making, and joining the scheduled prayers taking place in the chapel. The community brought their school with them when they relocated from Belgium, but in 2010, the school was closed. According to Mother Mara, that move brought with it a series of questions about the future of the community and its life and work at Calmore. But it always seemed that whatever figurative journey lie ahead, it didn't involve a literal move from Calmore. Eventually, the community entered into an agreement with a partner who shared their commitments to education and to religious life and to the land itself. That partner was Notre Dame. Lisa Caulfield is the executive director of the university's operation at Kyle Moore. I would say that we've continued what the Benedictines started about a hundred years ago, which is provide education in the west of Ireland. And um, we bring Notre Dame students, primarily undergraduates, but this is also an offering for um, Irish students and, and, and people to, to partake in, in programs that we have here. So we're not a silo for just Notre Dame programs, but that I try to encourage with the programming that I have here, uh, the local community to partake, uh, whether it's a master class or a keynote lecture. When we have these great faculty over teaching our undergraduates, I'd like to somehow involve the community. And um, so it's, it's really continuing um, the fire that was lit, I guess, with the Benedictines being here and um, placing such an emphasis on education. And, and that's our responsibility here. You know, when people come here, it's a smaller environment than what they're used to. You're in a rural setting, uh, taken away from the urban setting. And so you have this opportunity to build a really, um, really great community quickly and then and learn uh, in this environment. So, um, yeah, it is diverse, There's, it's, and it's, it's wonderful. It's, the best part of the job 
is the diversity of it, I think. No two days are the same for me, and I really enjoy working with the variety of, um, of faculty and, um, and people who have an interest in coming here. Students and scholars from every discipline come to Kyle Moore and stay and study in St. Joseph's Hall, a three-story structure built adjacent and adjoining to the Kyle Moore Manor House. Now, part of the appeal of the place, of course, is its transcendent beauty. On any given morning, you can look out from your room and see the fog that has settled in over the lake. The gray sets against the green to form an unexpectedly beautiful and serene picture. It's as on the nose as you can imagine for an Irish countryside. But the attraction of Kyle Moore is not just what's here, but also what isn't. This is a blank canvas, an apt metaphor because many Masters of Fine Arts students come here to finish their work. This kind of unbothered setting is appealing to all fields of study. The magic of Kyle Moore is its location, off the beaten path. I think this opportunity of being here gives you the time and space that you need without the distraction. Mm -hmm. And so the programming has to align to that, that there's that element of like, look, I need the time and space to finish. Um, so with even this engineering program, it's, it's carefully curated classes that we need, that needs this time to really concentrate and do well on that course, because it is the foundation for you know the next course that they need to take back on campus. And so we mm -hmm. picked classes that needed that extra care that students need and that the faculty are willing to give that time. So it's not like the class is finished after the hour and a half, that the faculty are here, they're in situ, and they've been helping them at all hours of the day. And so the, the students actually get more attention when they're here and more opportunity to learn in the off hours, which I think is a wonderful bonus that the mm -hmm. students are getting, which is very unique to this. And I've seen, I've seen faculty like, you know, still teaching at nine o'clock at night because, you know, teachers ask the, or students ask them just like, oh, you know that equation? Like, I, I just need another. So for the, especially for the engineers, I think there's a, a, a wonderful sort of atmosphere that's created that there's continual learning, but also a break from the bustle of life that can be quite distracting. Free from distraction, but not free from activity. We joined the students on a typically busy day that included a sheep herding demonstration. The Killery Sheep Farm, operated by Tom Nee, gives visitors a chance to see this quintessential Irish experience up close. Tom gently voices commands while his sheepdog, Holly, corrals the sheep and moves them in different directions. We'll revisit Tom and his farm later in this series. Then for students, it was dinner at a pub and a visit to a beach where they received a lesson in two Gaelic sports, hurling and Gaelic football. One of the important characteristics about Notre Dame's presence here is that students are involved only in things that matter to Irish people themselves, and hurling is certainly one of them. The game has elements of lacrosse, field hockey, even baseball, and was developed precisely so the Irish could have a game of their own, apart from British influence. 
The 80,000-seat Croke Park routinely sells out hurling matches. Think NFL playoffs, but with twice the energy. Often, students embark on excursions that are physically demanding. And according to Lisa Caulfield, that's when something really important starts to happen. I have this saying, like, there's fun A and fun B. Uh, and when it's sunny, like today, and it's beautiful, and we're going on a hike, that's like fun A. You, you know, you know you're having a good time. But there's moments when we take, and we go out rain or shine, like we don't change the schedule. It, fun B or, or, you know, plan B is like what you might not have planned or organized. And it's raining, it's miserable, you're cold, you know, you're, you're in, you could be in bog up to your knees. And, um, you know, it's not that fun at the time. <laughs> but by the time you get down the mountain or you've looked at, the, you know, what you've managed to accomplish in the day, that's the fun that they remember. Like yeah. when I hear, you know, when I read papers or, you know, listen to stories of, you know, what was their highlight from, from being here, it's not fun A or plan A, it's fun B. Because mm. it's the toughness that, that, you know, kind of made it through on a hike that's, uh, you know, w was the most rewarding for them. So I think that sort of community building with the immersion in the landscape. Like they really learn through the soles of their feet mm -hmm. and they really get a sense of what is the true Ireland when you go on a path that's not necessarily already pre-made for you, like the tourist paths. And it's no accident that the home base for this kind of experience for Notre Dame students is itself a special kind of community built out of a shared foundation of faith and education. It, it is a genuine partnership and we, you know, the, the Benedictines themselves, the community, have a, a genuine interest in the work that we do here. Um, I'm always amazed at their appetite for the knowledge that you know that we can share with them, and the the the, the courses that we offer. They're, they're always interested in, in the work that that we um, mm. share with our students and, and the learning that we do here. Um, you know, it's part of the schedule that is uh, is their prayer times, and so the students are exposed to a really unique. Ex monastic experience. Mm -hmm. So I encourage students to, to participate uh, when the schedule allows and I, I see this genuine interest in, in, in what, um, what, we, what, what the Benedictines and how they pray and how they keep to a schedule and, and this, this wonderful community that they are able to sustain in a very remote place. Um, and then the history of their existence here is an important learning for our students um, to see a community of women come together and and kind of etch out an existence here because it wasn't easy the entire time even though this castle can seem quite grand it's not necessarily or was not necessarily fit for purpose for an actual enclosed uh, monastic order like the Benedictines so they they made their their way through their existence here and historically it's it's a it's a symbol of the a community persisting You know, religious life and church life in Ireland is very much in upheaval at the moment, or stagnation. Some of us is upheaval, and some say we mixture of both. And I think something similar in the United States, everywhere. And I find that um, what we get from Notre Dame, just the way they do things, or the priests who come here and um, preach, or if we participate in things here or occasionally in Dublin, that it's um, th there's com common ground in that 
the, the way we take on our religion, spirituality, you know, it's a kind of a search for the truth and clarity and um, the best in tradition, but at the same time an openness to the world we're living in and the great differences. And um, that's, a think, a big tension in our life nowadays, combining those two things, not going from one and abandoning the other. And I, I find it's different the way the way it happens for Notre Dame is not the same as the way it happens for us, but I find um, common ground in the way from where we are and from where they are, we're trying to encounter as modern Catholics the world we're living in. That combining of faith and study is especially important to environmental engineering major Elena Herberg, who we met on the hike to Maumaine, where St. Patrick stopped to offer his blessing. Her faith journey and her academic journey began to come together in Ireland, but, as is often the case, not in the ways she expected. I don't know, just like so many things about the country seemed to kind of make sense and click for me and my own identity and what I was studying and the fact that I would be, you know, overlooking a lake um, and getting to go live out this contemplative ecology class I'm taking and be out in nature, but also in a country that like is very prided in Catholicism and has such a history there. It's like, it's not just about getting the credits done or getting to go abroad and see cool things. It's kind of, there's like a deeper thing about, you know, you learn in the classroom and then you experience it at the same time. So for me, it was about having that experience of academics in the classroom and beyond, I guess. When you hype something up in your head so much, you build it up, it's going to be this really big thing. And then you get there and it's like, oh, man, is it ever really going to live up to that? Um, I would say absolutely, but not in the ways I expected. I don't think anyone would look at the scenery and be like, it didn't live up to my expectations. So the scenery, absolutely, and the nature. But I would say, like, it doesn't look like what I expected. The interactions aren't what I expected. Like, um, the workload is, like, different than I was expecting. But at the same time, it's, like, I don't know, beautiful in its own way. And I, I would say so far it's, like, lived up to it, even though, like, it's not what I imagined. For Elena and for so many others, it is the unexpected that yields the greatest benefit. The most rewarding journey is often Plan B, where you venture off the beaten path, but with the right community, the road still rises up to meet you. Next time on East and West, Notre Dame in Ireland. And you study in Ireland because... Mm-hmm. Uh, Boggy, yeah. We head east and spend time in that most Irish of natural phenomena, the bog. Ireland is very unique in the practice of cutting and burning what they call turf. A lot of that historically pristine bog land has been degraded. And we find that care for this habitat is really important for a host of reasons. We're cutting a bit of turf now, uh, but the whole process is going to stop because of, of environmental reasons. The role of bogs being carbon stores makes them worth protecting. I, like, I still want to validate that history. That's next time on East and West, Notre Dame in Ireland. 